Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our business podcast where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist to those business news items. My name is Nasser Pasha. And I'm Matt Staub. And welcome to the best episode ever of Legally Sound Smart Business. Matt and I were just discussing prior that this is probably going to be our best. So congratulations, everyone. You've made it. That's also what we discussed before every episode, though. So it's... (laughs) That is true. I'm I'm hoping this time we'll, we'll... We'll make it. Or is every episode better than the next? So the latest episode is always the best episode. Is that is that what's been going on? It's possible. I'd have to go back and listen. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> let's just do that now. I'll pause. <laughs> and we're back. So what do we decide? It was true. That was true. Yeah. So this this one has to be the best one. Hopefully it's not not as good as the last one then. Even the clip show episodes were somehow better than the previous versions of that. <laughs> the previous yeah. ones. I think that makes sense. That perfectly makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're doing a talk about a couple things here. One of which is social security numbers. So I guess we've we've talked long enough that hopefully people aren't going to turn off the rest of the episode. I guess if we've got them this far, then <laughs> I'll probably. Well, I guess if I I'll probably end up putting social security in the title, so maybe that will turn people off as well. But <laughs> well, credit cards too. We'll talk about basically private information that you're holding of your customers? Well, I mean, there's a couple things. There's getting something in the mail, getting a letter in the mail, and you know, what are the guidelines of when, if they're at all, can be your social security number on there. And then two, using a credit card and you get the receipt back. And I I don't know if, I bet most people probably don't even look for this every time that it comes up, but you know, we'll discuss the, the law that's in place with that as well. So I guess we'll start with the, you know, getting something in the mail. And I guess this came up recently because the California EDD, Employment Development Department, was sending out letters in the mail. And I guess the people's social social security numbers were listed on there, which I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I get, you know, I, I deal with a lot of IRS stuff. And I, th- I know there's been social security numbers on there in the past, which is fine if it falls under the exception that they're allowed to put on that. And that is, well, this is for California, but California prohibits the printing of an individual's social security number on any materials that are mailed out to the individual unless state or federal law requires a social security number to be on the document to be mailed. So that's the EDD's argument here was it was a necessity for the social security number to be on there so we can ensure that the information is correct for the person it was sent to. And this California law is actually on in many other states. I don't know how many, but it's it's not atypical. But this whole EDD's position that it's somehow necessary, even even if it is necessary now, why is it necessary? And and you know, there are ways to protect your identity and so forth, but in fact, I was just reading this, basically an interview of this guy in, and I, I think he was in Russia or some, maybe some Eastern European country where his job was to basically make phone calls to these credit card companies posing as these victims of, of identity theft because the people that actually stole the credit card needed further verification. So his job was to basically take on the identity and, and pretend that they're that individual. And of course, they... They do that by finding the social security number, other information, pulling the credit report somehow. And so it's like, I mean, this is all obvious stuff, but like, why is it necessary at all? 
to have your social security number on this communication. It just seems silly. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It's, you know, I think there's a pretty weak argument on their part, but I don't think it was a mistake. I think they truly just thought they could do that. And when I first saw this story, I thought it was a an intentional attempt to try to get identity theft or identity thieves. Is that what they would be called? Identity thieves? I think identity theftists. <laughs> I believe is the correct word. <laughs> I thought it was some sort of ploy to get them to try to steal the information and then they would get caught, I, assuming that the name d- didn't match up with the social security number. I actually, yeah, reading the article, it, it almost seems that way. But but yeah, it ended up not being. And and apparently, you know, this is, this is a big deal. Okay, EDD is one thing, but what about... There's a lot of businesses that may have access to not only social security numbers, but other very private data. A good example is credit card information. And even that, I mean, when was the last time you got a receipt where the full credit card number was on there? And and the reason it's not is because by law, they can't do that. I think I, I do remember a time where that wasn't the case, where you would have the credit card information on there. And I had heard something, someone I'd, I'd talked to that used to do uh, payment processing for credit cards. It could be the system that they use as well, because I know they were telling me, and this was a few years ago, they were telling me that they were able to convert, you know, they went in and purchased something somewhere and they got the receipt and noticed the whole credit card was on there. And this is a person that, you know, is in sales with credit card processing. And they told the business owner, uh, I think you're in a big, you have a big problem here. You're breaking the law and you need to change over to, so I think they got a client and they informed them that they were breaking the law. So it's a, and, and yeah, yeah, first you're using a very old system that's outdated. And oh, by the way, you're also uh, breaking the law on that. And actually it's called PCI compliance, which PCI stands for Payment Card Industry Data Security Standard. So apparently it's PCI DSS <laughs> is the full full acronym. But PCI compliance is what, what I've, I know it as, and I think most people do. And that actually has a whole huge standard of how you even process or handle credit card numbers itself. And all the new systems, they'll say, if you see in the fine print, it'll say like PCI compliant and so forth. But you should be wary of if you're doing a lot of credit card transactions, then the the standards are actually different. And some payment processors, most of the most of the basic ones or the common ones will have this. But if they're a little bit old or they're very like, you know, sometimes you'll have a payment processing system that is customized for your shopping cart or something that you're doing online or for some kind of software that you have in-house, it may not be as compliant because depending on how much you do based upon, I think, the number of transactions per year, you're on different levels and the the regulations apply differently to you. Yeah, and, and this applies to this electronic, electronically printed receipts. And I guess, if I'm understanding this correctly, the, the law of these credit cards, the information has to be truncated. The law doesn't necessarily apply to handwritten receipts, which you actually will see you'll see them from time to time, typically at like old shops or places that have their system go down. Yeah, or the power goes out. Yeah, know, power goes something out. like that. Exactly. Yeah. So you will see that. And the thing is, I, I always worry about not having enough cash on hand because I remember, I think we've talked about this. One time the power went out in San Diego. It was the great blackout of 2000 and I want to say 13 or 12. 11? Maybe 11. <laughs> I remember it was very dark that day in the middle of <laughs> 2 p.m. But it, it was concerning because uh, I had like maybe less than a quarter, not quite on empty tank, but 
none of the gas stations had their machines working and none of them had those manual machines. So to even take my credit card, if they, even if they wanted to. There's not much you can do about that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So back on the PCI compliance, like just to kind of give you guys example, and again, most of the stuff is should be already taken care of. But for example, for virtual terminals, you have a card reader that is connected to your computer that reads the card information and enters it into the virtual terminal as opposed to doing it manually. Or it'll have it so that if in the shopping cart structure, how the information is sent to a third party, that it's encrypted and so forth. All these little things are probably basic, but the point is, is that it's very easy if you're doing it yourself to not be in compliant with that. And of course, if you have a system that's actually producing credit card numbers on your receipts, I don't know, you should revisit that. Yeah. And so most businesses have changed over to these systems with electronically printed receipts. And that's why you'll see something that's more popular these days, which is the little sign on there saying credit card minimum $10 for a purchase, which there's a difference between. So you'll see a couple different things. You'll see the sign on. Well, I guess you'll see people that don't care at all, which is fine. You'll see the the businesses that have that thing on there, the policy of in order to pay off a credit card, it has to be a minimum of $10. And then you'll see the businesses that have a sign saying anything under $10 or whatever amount they choose is a 50% or a 50 cent surcharge on top of it. We're going to charge you 50 cents for the processing. The main reason behind that, despite the fact that they can't do it, the main reason behind that is because they lose a cut of what they bring in by doing the credit card processing. So that's kind of, I guess, the, if no one's, if you haven't really thought about it, that's kind of the, the backstory on why that exists. But yeah, the, the 50 cent part, I don't think people know, you know, businesses can't really do that. And I, I'm trying to remember if it is law or basically the credit card agreements don't allow that. And I think it's the, I think it's the latter. I think the credit card com- agreements don't allow it because it used to be that credit card companies didn't visa MasterCard or American Express. They didn't allow the merchants to, to set a minimum and people did it anyway, as you probably know, but if they got caught, they would be penalized or they'd use their, lose their merchant account. But there was a federal law, I think passed, I don't know, when was it? A few years ago. It's a federal law that basically allowed a $10 minimum was okay. Anything above that, $10 and above was fine for setting a minimum. Yeah, I mean, really, I guess how often are you... Well, I take that back. I, I guess there's plenty of times where I spend under $10 on a on a transaction, so... I find it most common when I'm going to, like, mom-and-pop cafes. There's this one in Houston that I tend to go to, and they have a $10 minimum. And most of the time I'm over $10, but it's like every once when I go in there, I get a muffin or something like, like that. And they're like, oh, I need cash. And so then I just buy $10 worth of muffins. <laughs> That's why I have my the debit card that I have has no ATM transaction fees worldwide. So I I can use that little ATM in there and not get dinged for it. Oh, why don't you just advertise for them and be their sponsor? They do advertise in a lot of legal magazines. What is it? Hold on. First Republic Bank. You didn't remember what the bank was called? It's your card. There's like five or six or seven words that are in like every bank's name. Obviously bank. <laughs> that's true. First Republic Bank. It's it's tough. Yeah, that's true. Well, okay. So that's how you handle private data, folks. If you make a mistake, we're going to go after you. Well, I don't know if we are, but... Somebody is. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Yep. Keep it sound. Keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. 
Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.